Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we will have Father Tim Smith in the studio with us. He has driven down from the north part of the diocese um, to talk with us about Catholic rural life in general, but also about the organization with the same name, Catholic Rural Life. Uh, he is always fun to have here, and uh, he's only here once in a while, so we just snag him whenever we can. First, in studio with me, it's Dr. Chris Bergwald. I have a little bit of time, so a quick question about uh, interview with Father Tim. Yeah. Uh, give me, give me, tease me one gem for the interview. Gosh, we did it. We called Ipswich a city. Oh, <laughs> he did do that. <laughs> Why is that? bad I, I i was taken aback i was like is it not a town is oh, Ipswich oh, oh. so big that it's a city okay sorry so that's, Ipswich uh, i was just gonna say bill you're really really <laughs> that, working bill the last Seeley, nerve of all the, the people in Ipswich. Address, his, address, his home address <laughs> uh okay yeah he, uh, he talks a lot about um the really the importance of rural people um rural towns to the dy- dynamicism of our faith so Okay. Um, and he's just always great. He is great. Great. Yeah. Thank you. So, Biblical Bites with Dr. B. Do you know? We haven't done this. Yeah, I did this for you recently. Do you know the Sunday we're in? Oh, shoot. 29th? Bill? Bill? That is correct. That is yes. correct. Do you know? So, we have not touched. Uh, remember, the second reading at Mass is a semi continuous reading right. from a particular, usually New Testament letter epistle right. um, over the course of several Sundays. The other readings are usually thematically tied together. First reading Psalm gospel, but the second reading um, is sort of just we're being exposed to again, usually New Testament letter. Wait, so wait, for, wait, wait. Bill, have you done TV mass yet? No. So okay. for several weeks in a row now, I have not touched on what we've, we, we um, started hearing proclaimed for the second reading at mass. Okay. And he, so I apparently, well, well, it was Ephesians for a while, so I mean, yeah. I guess it's not that. Yeah, it's not that. Uh, Corinthians? No. Philippians? Okay. Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews. 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 Okay. Hebrews. So it's it's a reading from the letter of Hebrews. That. So what? I said I knew that. Yeah, we didn't say it, so it doesn't count. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's and we say at mass, and it was different to my uh, colleagues here in the studio. When we were all growing up, it was introduced differently than it is now. Now, the, the lector says, a reading from the letter to the Hebrews, but within our memories, something else was said. Bill's cringing. <laughs> Looks kind of like this if you're watching. St. Paul to the Hebrews. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Hebrews right. is what we heard growing up. Right. But, but. I just realized that yeah. when you said that. Yeah. So it's been that way for 30 years, but thanks for catching up, Renee. Uh, <laughs> hey, I still need the book to not go back to the old translation. Okay. <laughs> right. I, I, uh, yeah. So, so there was a, a small tea tradition and there's, there still is like, some evidence that Paul wrote the letter to the Hebrews, mm-hmm. but there's always been going back way back, way back question, like big question. Right. Did Paul write? There's some things, things that are similar to Paul's other letters, but there are other things that are very different. Mm-hmm. So um, the lectionary after Vatican II, now what be interesting, and I don't know the answer to this question, was that just a matter of uh, the English translation of the lectionary? In other words, what did the Latin say? That right. I don't know. Right. Because sometimes the English translation just threw things in that were not in the Latin. <laughs> Thus the redoing of the translation. Thus the redoing of the translation. <laughs> so I don't know the answer to that question, but we, we now sort of acknowledge, even in the Mass, that we're not sure... We're not sure who uh, wrote this letter. Mm-hmm. So a little okay. fun fact. But 
the the content for today, uh, the, the reading, uh, big, it's short. I might just quickly go through, the whole, go through the whole thing. Brothers and sisters, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been similarly tested in every way, yet without sin. So let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for, for timely help. So, Jesus is the great high priest. Mm -hmm. So, another little fun fact. The Old Testament, what's what's the high priest, Renee? Do you know? Like, biblically speaking, Old Testament-ly speaking? Uh, he would be the head priest of the Jewish people. Right. Correct. <laughs> and who was the first? Mal Melchizedek. No. I know why you said that. Good guess, but no. I knew his name. <laughs> Um, Moses' brother, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron was the, once things got like a, more sure, formally established. established, Aaron was the high priest and in English we try, we say high priest, but actually the Hebrew is more translations, more precisely translated. Aaron was the great priest, oh, okay. not the high priest, but the great priest English forever. It's been high priest. So to hear Hebrews, we read, we have a great high priest. It's actually, literally, we have a great, great priest. Oh. <laughs> Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. So Jesus, as a, we've talked about this before, a priest offers sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And they bring, in, in the Old Testament era, they would bring the sacrifice into the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could go. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. Mm -hmm. And the priest alone, eventually, just one time a year, the Day of Atonement, would go in there to offer the sacrifice for the atonement of the sins of the people. Jesus offered the sacrifice of his own body and blood. Mm -hmm. And he has, it says, we read in Hebrews, passed through the heavens. He has entered into the Holy of Holies, the throne room of God the Father, where he intercedes for you and me today. Thank goodness. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. B. You bet. In the studio with me today, from the Great White North, or it's Green North right now, soon to be white, is Father Tim Smith. Welcome, Father Smith. Thank you very much. Glad to yeah. be here. It, actually, it's right now it's the Great Brown North because we're in fall. And <laughs> that it's is true. The middle of the harvest season. Yes, yes. Okay, so in case you don't know who Father Smith is, he is the pastor at Holy Cross Ipswich. St. Thomas the Apostle in Roscoe and Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Leola. Did I get them all? You did. Okay, good. Um, yeah, you don't get down to Sioux Falls as much anymore, so I was lucky to snag you while you were down here. I said, you have to come and record with us. Well, so, thank you for the invitation, and yeah. I'm happy to you know talk with you today, particularly yeah. about a subject that I'm really passionate yes, about. Yes, yes. So we are going to talk about Catholic rural life in general and also um, an organization called Catholic Rural Life that you kind of, I don't know, do I say you headed up in the diocese? Is that accurate? As of now, <laughs> I am the point man on okay. Catholic National Catholic Rural Life. Uh, okay, good. And just to talk about it a little bit today, what it is, if yeah. they've seen that name, and then yes. um, some of our members may have heard of it in the past in their parishes and in their communities. Right, and we are a rural diocese after all, so we should probably talk about this stuff once in a while. <laughs> Yes. So, um, how is how are things going up north? Things are going really good. Yeah. As I mentioned just a moment ago, it's in the middle of the harvest season. Mm -hmm. So, if you uh, venture outside of any of our larger cities in the Diocese of Sioux Falls, <laughs> you're going to see that the country roads and, and even the paved roads are, are filled with activity. Yep. 
um, with tractors harvesters and, and yes, tractors oh and combines and, and grain trucks uh, moving mm-hmm. uh, grain to the local elevators and, and feedlots and, and different ways of the rural economy. Right now, this is a time of great activity and also yep. an occasion for us to pray for safety and the well-being yes, of all those people. For sure. Yeah, I grew up on a farm up oh. by Castlewood. Um, so I'm very used to that life and, and miss living out in the country a lot. Well, it's celebrating, you know, their rural heritage. Mm-hmm. So many people in the upper Midwest, we've seen, uh, you know, sociologists have reflected uh, this in their own writings in the last, you know, 40, 50 years um, that really in the rural Midwest, people have now moved to centralized cities. And mm-hmm. we see that in our own diocese with the population of Sioux Falls, but also other regional cities like uh, Watertown or Huron or Aberdeen mm-hmm. growing in their size. And and many of those people, they have rural ancestries. Yeah. So yep. they're, they're only a generation ago, their their own family members um, participated in a farming lifestyle or right. agricultural background. And that's my, my story as well. I, I come from a rural area. And mm-hmm. uh, just recently, as a matter of fact, my own family um, sold the family farm. Oh. Uh, uh, and they did that in a very peaceful and loving way. And it was a really good experience. But good. my own ministry as a priest in a rural area uh, my own life experience really comes in handy. I bet. Um, just knowing that that landscape and that life, and so yeah. my participation in the National Catholic Rural Life Conference um, is something that I've been doing over the last couple of years. Uh, with the at first with the uh, uh, nomination by Bishop Swain mm-hmm. as being the delegate for the Catholic Rural Life Organization in the Diocese of Sioux Falls, and. Catholic Rural Life is an organization that's been around for almost a century in the American Catholic Church. It comes wow. from the Bishop's Conference, and in 1923, um, it was really a fruit of this prayer about supporting and encouraging the faithful community, particularly parishes in rural areas all over um, our United States. Mm-hmm. And so throughout that time, uh, the National Catholic Rural Life Conference has really supported parishes and families through different initiatives at, at different times. The outreach has always been, you know, encouraging gospel living and mm-hmm. gospel values. And during different times in the history of the diocese of Sioux Falls, there were other priests, um, many predecessors who now are, are laid to rest, mm-hmm. but they've been priests of the diocese of Sioux Falls and they too have served chapters or as chaplains for a Catholic rural sure. life during their different time periods. And at different times, like all organizations, they go through maybe a little bit of a revitalization, a change in leadership. And uh, Jim Ennis, who is the national director, he's a layman in St. Paul, Minnesota, for Catholic Rural Life. He approached Bishop Swain, and I know he's been in conversation with uh, Bishop DeGruy's office Mm -hmm. since he's our new bishop, Mm -hmm. about uh, continuing this legacy of Catholic Rural Life. And so just want to be here today to share some of those yeah. aspects of Catholic rural life and and why it's important for us to yeah. acknowledge those communities and those parishes and those members of the church who live that life. Yeah, yeah, I think this is really so important. Can you can you tell us? So this organization uh, started in Minnesota. It's it's headquartered in Minnesota, right? Head, headquartered in Minnesota. Yeah. I believe its original uh, foundation was in uh, the central. A province or central region here mm-hmm. in the United States. And some of the big highlights of it was in 
uh, the late 1970s when the Holy Father, Pope St. Mm. John Paul II, mm-hmm. uh, came uh, to the United States. One of his visits, and I know he traveled all over uh, the U.S. during that time period, mm. but one of the things he did is he celebrated Mass at a farm. It was a oh, harvest Mass. I didn't know that. And that was, wow. that was put on by a National Catholic Rural Life Conference. And then in the mid-2000s, uh, they changed the name of the organization. It's a nonprofit. It's a 501c3, mm-hmm. but it exists and it's supported through um, the church, right. through the bishops' conference. And they've shortened the name to just Catholic Rural mm-hmm. Life. Um, and since that time, they continue many initiatives that just focus on strengthening rural communities and just looking at those different issues that face families in a rural right. area. Right. Yeah, I checked out their website a little bit, and and there's just a lot in there. What kind of things are you doing uh, from that initiative in your area and for the diocese then? That's a great question. And so in these last two years, obviously, we had a little bit of setback in Mm -hmm. 2020. um, But since being encouraged and named by uh, Bishop Swain to be the delegate for Catholic Rural Life right here in eastern South Dakota, uh, we've done a few initiatives. And some of the big things are spiritual activities Mm -hmm. that are directly related to uh, people who live in a rural or an agricultural area. And so if we read the Gospels carefully, we can read Jesus' own parables and his teachings. They're filled with imagery that reflects this rural landscape. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus begins a parable by saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he scattered seed, some seed fell on rocky ground, some fell on fertile soil. And so Mm -hmm. even these parables of Jesus, they reflect this agricultural environment. And Jesus right. himself said, I am the good shepherd. <laughs> Jesus says, I, "I the good shepherd goes after the lost sheep and he leaves the 99. Jesus mm-hmm. also says uh, about the parable of the workers in the vineyard. You oh, know, right. How many of our farm communities are always looking for hired hands, mm-hmm. workers that are going to help them in planting or harvest time. And so the gospels themselves reflect this rural vision, this vision of, of, how we can live and follow Jesus. And mm-hmm. so in that, the church in its tradition, um, in the prayers and the litanies and, and some of the little uh, sacramentals of the church has always reflected this, this agricultural or this rural identity. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that can be done is during the planting season. So sure. just looking at this through a, a church year, through the lens of a farmer. Well, one of the first things in the spring, we celebrate Easter. And then we, everybody's getting ready. It's time for mm-hmm, planting time. Mm-hmm. One of the first things that Catholic Rural Life promotes is the celebration of the Rogation Days. Oh, and that's so, right. Yes. Um, so many of our members, longtime Catholics, they'll remember the mm-hmm. Rogation Days. They used to get in a line, and when they were little children, we'd walk around the fields, and, and Father would bless things with holy water. We would have the cross. We would sing songs, and then we would say a litany of saints, and and many of our members remember that. And some of I'd my never heard of it. My members yeah. from uh, North Dakota, they would say, well, Father, we would walk around. I remember <laughs> walking around. So and the church still does that. Yeah. It comes from the Latin word rogare, which means to ask. And it's three successive days of prayer and penance. Okay. So it's also uh, it's not obligatory, but it is an option for people to pray, to fast, and ask God. We're, we're asking God. To bless the land during this planting season. Mm-hmm. And so we ask the saints to intercede for us. And it's a beautiful tradition in the life of the church. And so right. our own chapter of Catholic rural life right here 
we host a Rogation mm-hmm. Days procession. Mm-hmm. And I do that in all three of my parishes. Okay. And so it's a beautiful tradition. Another thing that we can do is on May 15th, we promote the devotion to St. Isidore, the oh, farmer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so a uh, patron saint in Spain, Madrid, Spain. And so St. Isidore, uh, there's an account in the church's tradition um, in, the, in the 11th century of St. Isidore being assisted in his farming by two angels. And okay. so that's one account of St. Isidore's life. His wife, Maria, our own Broomtree Retreat Center, has mm-hmm. its chapel church dedicated to Saints Maria and Saints Isidore. Yep. And so it's a beautiful testimony to sanctity, how living our lives, going about our daily works, uh, sanctifies and makes us holy. Mm-hmm. That we also celebrate at the harvest time uh, prayers of a harvest blessing. And usually the Assumption Mass the, of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, August 15th, is celebrated as the Harvest Mass. Oh, and so our own, our own Catholic rural life we celebrate a harvest blessing, and then we do also a Marian procession. And okay. Mary, the reason the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary is honored as the Harvest Mass is because Mary is the first fruits of the resurrection of Jesus. And mm-hmm. so her own glorious Assumption into heaven, body and soul, that's the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead. So Mary is in heaven, you know, queen of heaven and earth, body and soul. Mm-hmm. And we hope for that glorious resurrection that we too will be reunited at the glorious resurrection, body and soul. And so the assumption is seen as the harvest mass. And of course, uh, the church has so many beautiful blessings and offerings for rural communities, whether it's a blessing of livestock, of sheep. Uh, These are things I like to make available to our parishioners. And Catholic Rural Life even has a prayer book and a manual that priests can use in their own rural ministry that really touches the lives of rural families. It's a right. beautiful tradition. And these are prayers that we want to keep alive yes. in our Catholic yeah. faith. I know there are a lot of um, parishes that do harvest masses. I don't think there are very many that do the rogation days. And that, that is a thing. I'd love to see that come back. It, it's kind of fallen by the wayside. Yeah. And in my own area, Holy Cross, Ipswich, I know St. Anthony's Church in Hoven okay. and several other parishes uh, want to bring that back. And yeah. I know uh, it's a beautiful tradition, and it really touches that. And I've had different parishioners saying, Father, I'm so glad we're doing the Rogation Days. Mm-hmm. Some of these beautiful devotions, um, sadly, they they went away, right. and we want to bring them back because yeah. they're part of the church's living tradition. Yeah, and it's good for young people to be involved in those things, too. So I'm glad they're coming back. Um, if you just joined us, we are talking to Father Tim Smith about Catholic rural life. Um so there, the priests can, uh, like, do you provide materials for the priests on this? Are they kind of on their own since you're the point guy? Sure. So Catholic Rural Life, like most organizations, has a website. Mm-hmm. So it's catholicruralife.org. Uh, there's a director of the communications that I work with. His mm-hmm. name is Tim Strife, and he's in St. Paul, Minnesota. Interestingly enough, uh, Tim, he, he does a reach out to different pastors to provide them with resources and also to give them a retreat opportunity. They actually provide an, several opportunities for retreat for priests that minister in rural areas, mm-hmm. and it's called Thriving in Rural Ministry. Right. And Tim, is. It's what's interesting about it is that he and I grew up only 15 miles away oh. <laughs> in rural southern Minnesota in the Diocese wow. of Winona, Rochester. Mm-hmm. He and I uh, both knew each other. At one time, he was a seminarian. He's now a husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... He is a good man, 
And just this idea, we both come from the same county, right. uh, Jackson County right. in southern Minnesota. <laughs> we know the landscape. Uh, we know the farm fields. And now we work together um, in really just kind of making these options of enrichment available for rural communities, but also for pastors as right. well. Right. You know, I minister to three parishes, but the geography that I cover in square mileage is about 1,500 yeah. square miles. Now, this is a real challenge for priests. It's a challenge yeah. for priests, but I would also offer it's a challenge for Christianity as a whole. Mm -hmm. In my own county, myself and the other priest, Edmonds County, we are the only resident clergy that live oh, wow. in that area. Mm -hmm. In my city of Ipswich, there are no other professionally trained clergy that live in the city itself. Wow. And so anytime there's an emergency that calls for a chaplain or spiritual care, um, you are de facto the one right. minister in the town. Catholic or not. <laughs> Catholic or not. <laughs> yeah. And so those are, that's one of the strengths I'd like to say to our own churches that our own work in promoting vocations is that the median age for our clergy in the north uh, western region of our diocese of Sioux Falls, the median age is around uh, mid-40s. Oh, good. That is very young, but many other churches are right now have no pastors at right. all. Right. And so uh, we're actually doing a good job in pastorally taking care of that rural good. area, but it requires sacrifice and commitment mm -hmm. and, and also real discipleship. Following the Lord, prayer, sacrifice, but also it's easy when the people are so good. And yeah. that's one thing I want to also emphasize. Yes, please. Just the holiness and the goodness of all the people in our rural area. Because uh, the church is made up of many members, young mm -hmm. and old, people of all walks of life. You know, and not only those who farm and work the land, there's also those who are educators. They're the ones who work in local and regional schools who provide, you know, education for farm families mm -hmm. and also people who work in ag business, who work in uh, corporations that provide equipment and, and supply chain all throughout uh, the rural Midwest that mm -hmm. brings what we bring to harvest to the rest of the world. Right. We also have even all the way down to the bus driver, to <laughs> the people who work at the local grocery store in a rural community. Every person plays a part in keeping a rural economy vibrant. Right. And so, what we want to do is just celebrate that, mm -hmm. encourage and acknowledge the goodness of it comes from God. And in that, there are so many other blessings in rural communities. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes there might be a misconception that in the rural churches, well, you don't you don't get as many opportunities and so on for different um, retreats, whatever it might be. But there's some real blessings to being in the rural communities. Um, my mom is still in Castlewood goes to the uh, parish there, St. John's, and she teaches CCD. And it's small classes, and she really gets to know those kids, really gets to know their families. That, And I think you you don't have that as much in the bigger cities. So there's some real benefits to those smaller say, parishes. I agree, and I would say that I know my parishioners better in a rural mm -hmm. area than I really possibly could yeah. in one of the larger cities. And so yeah. there's, there's certainly many benefits to that. And also just the opportunity to visit the homes and the farms of my yeah. parishioners uh, to go out there for uh, blessings of farm equipment and things like mm -hmm. that, but also uh, to see the kids from my CCD class, to see their cats, <laughs> to see their dogs, to see their sheep, to see yeah. their animals, yeah. um, and to get excited. Also enjoy the great outdoors. Of course, we have a, a real treasure in our natural resources. And mm -hmm. so hunting, fishing, 
uh, whether it be for pheasants, waterfowl, deer. Those are, those are things that we celebrate in our parish on a regular basis. Yeah. In fact, even in our, one of our stained glass windows, you'll see deer and pheasants. That's nice. and, and That's perfect. Par- parts of God's creation celebrated right there in the parish. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so how can lay people, the rural people out in our diocese, get involved with the Catholic rural life stuff? There's so, there's so many great opportunities. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there are already members of Catholic rural life okay. in different communities all around South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, they can easily join by going to CatholicRuralLife.org. They can pay a membership fee. They'll get a quarterly magazine that comes yep. out to them, yep. which highlights other people who are living Catholic rural life. There's usually a priest reflection in there and also highlights some of the initiatives that are being done in other rural areas around the country, whether it's in southern Kansas or um, eastern parts of Washington State yep. or even uh, in other areas, the Cranberry Bogs of northern oh, yeah. <laughs> Maine or, or things like that. Right. Places where people are living their Catholic faith and being encouraged by that. And that's part of it is it's having a good witness for one yeah. another that yeah. our faith is part of who we are. It's our identity. But there are also so many other great opportunities um, to get involved. Encourage, uh, talk to your pastor and ask perhaps if you could participate in a harvest mass or right. a rogation days, mm-hmm. um, just asking God through a litany. Um, there's so many great resources available yeah. through Catholic Rural Life. For and sure. One thing that I would just want to highlight yes, is yeah, that— Yes, yeah, if there's anything we missed, please do. That some of the so many of the good things that we have in our rural communities are family values. Mm-hmm. You know, there's such a great pro-life ethic in our rural areas. Um, when you work with the land, when you work in a close relationship with life and death, you recognize the value of human life and mm-hmm. all the goodness that God has created in the world. And so I'm just always amazed at how beautiful that's reflected in the values and especially in the pro-life advocacy that's done by members of our rural communities. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we separate ourselves from that, we live in a technological or in a society where we go into the grocery store, we separate ourselves from where did that food come from right, right. and and what animals um, and what energy, what work went into producing that mm-hmm. food. Um, we lose really an appreciation for life and God's creation. Right. And so all of the work of Catholic rural life is really a reflection of Catholic social teaching, which we can yeah. always learn more about in the catechism of the Catholic church. Yeah. Um, so it's an encouragement for us um, just to acknowledge that. Um, I would just say for those interested Catholic Rural Life is available to offer opportunities for spiritual enrichment mm-hmm. for pastors in rural areas, opportunities for them to be supported and encouraged by other pastors to get ideas about evangelization in right. a rural area. Right. But most of all, to know that they are loved. They are not alone. Even <laughs> though you may live in a remote area, right. you are loved by God, and there are other people who are following Jesus in the very same way. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I'm so glad I could have you come in and talk about that because I think this is just hugely important for our diocese. So I hope people will check that out. That was catholicruralife.org. You got right? it. Right, okay. Thanks for coming in, Father Smith. I appreciate it. It's good to see you as always. Thank you. You bet. Uh, if you haven't checked out the upcoming event, Through God's Love, that is coming up in Sioux Falls at the Convention Center October 30th, Please go to our website, sfcatholic.org. You can find it there. And the event the night before, the St. Joseph Festival for families, singles, everybody. Everybody can go to that. So that is it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.